welcome to the Press Gallery, the Edmonton Journal's politics podcast. It is Friday, October 27, 2017, and this is from Voting to the Vatican edition. I'm your host, Provincial Affairs reporter Emma Graney, and with me today, education reporter Janet French. Good morning. How are you today? I'm well. How are you? I'm very well. Uh, columnist Paula Simons. Hello. How are you? I'm very dandy, thank I you. I really like your new glasses. I know oh. you got them a couple of weeks ago. I really like thank them. Thank you. I, I, I do too. I mean, uh, bright the, blue and gold. Listeners. The people, the people on the uh, on the podcast cannot see them, but maybe Sean will zoom in at some point. <laughs> <laughs> we can only dream. And Columnist Graham Thompson. Good morning. How, how are you? Fine, fine. That's good. Had a good commute this morning? Yes, lovely commute. Excellent. LRT, yep. <coughs> Ooh. Very fast. Taking public transit. Mm-hmm. Look out. Uh, yeah, so today we're going to be talking about voting a few different ways. We're going to be talking about the United Conservative Party leadership vote, which of course is happening right now as we speak. Results will be known around 5.30 on Saturday. We'll talk very, very briefly because it surprised literally nobody about the election, The sorry, the by-election votes in Sturgeon River Parkland just outside of Edmonton in the uh, federal riding there. Then we're going to head over to the Vatican, <laughs> kind of-ish, to talk about Catholic sex education, specifically a curriculum about it. Actually, let's go there first because we do have Janet French here to talk with us about this. Thank you for joining us, Janet. No worries. I like it when we get to talk to you about school yeah, stuff. Yeah, I like it too. Now, you did some kind of FOIP and you came up with some kind of... Uh, Sex ed curriculum that the Catholics were developing, or something along those lines. Please so, give me more of, details. Yeah, so so this is where some of the misunderstanding has has uh, promulgated. Is that a word? It is now. Yeah, sure. Um, so <laughs> so what I had heard is that some the Catholics were developing some kind of parallel health and wellness curriculum to go alongside the the overall K to twelve health and wellness curriculum that's under development because all curriculum in Alberta is being rewritten right now. So when I asked the Alberta Catholic School Trustees Association about it, the president said, no, no, it's nothing like that. We're just writing resources that would go along with it, just like we have for the current curriculum. So I said, hmm, okay. So I filed a freedom of information request and got actually uh, an application from the Council of Catholic Superintendent- School Superintendents of Alberta to the government. They wanted a $66,000 grant to write what they call a parallel sex ed curriculum for Catholic schools. And uh, the deputy minister wrote back and politely said, yeah, that's not happening. Um, No, we don't pay for we don't pay for development of religious education. You're on your own here. Here's some suggestions for people you could collaborate with. So when I called up uh, Carl, Carl German, who is the president of the Council of the Superintendents, uh, he said, we're going ahead with it anyway. We're just using resources from our own school districts. Uh, But then what happened after they were rejected is there was some conversation between people at the Alberta Education Ministry and the Catholic superintendents about what what do they see as problematic or what what are they worried about, basically, when it comes to the new wellness curriculum. And so they sent this document along that outlines all their areas of concern. So they are many. They are many. Many, They are things like consent and um, non uh, intercourse sex, so like oral sex and anal sex, and the way that that would be described or talked You're about. You're not making babies. It ain't okay. Nope. Right? Nope. Basically. Only babies. That's, that's that is basically it. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and also, they said we would have problems with uh, promoting is the word that they used. Promoting uh, any uh, lifestyle choices that were not 
basically marriage between a man and a woman, including, oh. and I quote, modern gender theory. Yeah, they are also very concerned about what they call same-sex inclination. Uh, they don't want people inclining towards what they call same-sex attraction. Uh-huh. Oh, you can incline towards it. You just can't act upon it. I mean, here is, here is the challenge. This is core Catholic doctrine. I mean, this is precisely what the Catholic Church yeah. teaches, although most contemporary Canadian Catholics uh, pick and choose from, from this menu. But, but the document is very clear. It denounces masturbation as contrary to the natural order. Um, it denounces any kind of sex act that is not procreative. It denounces any kind of sex that takes place outside of marriage, which is why it's weird about the language of consent, because they're not saying consent isn't important. They're saying that consent is not is not the threshold you have to meet in order to have sex. But they phrased it in such a way as to sort of undercut the value of consent education. Mm. And they are particularly concerned about anything that would provide any kind of social license for acting upon your same-sex inclination. And, and here is where you have two worldviews coming right into smashing conflict. I mean, right now, because my daughter went through the Catholic school system for high school. I know what her sex ed classes were like, and they were pretty much non-existent. What, what, what they've been doing under the old curriculum is kind of dipsy-doodling around it by putting all of the reproductive mechanics into biology class. And then in the calm career and life management course, there's a very little bit where they talk about, you know, birth control is bad, abortion is worse, uh, don't have sex till you're married kids. And, and that was kind of it. And I think, you know, it was like one unit and she did it online and it wasn't, it wasn't particularly doctrinaire beyond that. I, I think the concern that the Catholic boards have now is if there's new curriculum that is much more prescriptive and they can't just sort of ignore it. Um, we have this clash of worldviews, clash of, of, of values that I, I don't know how you get around it because Catholics are not going to teach that safe sex is okay because any kind of sex with a condom is, is anathema. Yeah. And I looked at some of the current curriculum after this story became more public, and, and that is exactly what the grade nine curriculum in, in at least one Catholic school district says is that there is no safe sex. But but part of the politically pro- though yeah. this has gone off the rails because it's of course a little wacky. Yeah. not really not really uh, unsurprising. Of course we're in the middle of the UCP leadership race. So um, I guess Jason Kenney was asked about this and said the Catholics they can teach what they want. How dare the premier tell the Catholics what they can and can't teach? Jason then- Kenney, who let it be said, is a devout Catholic Jesuit educated. Yes. Um, you know, is he, he would be the last person in Alberta who would bring down the hammer on the Catholic Church and tell them they had to teach um, provincial curriculum. Brian Jean, same thing, saying that the problem shouldn't be dictating the ethics um, to the Catholic Church. So they're both on that side on this thing. This has become a big political issue heading forward. Whoever wins, likely Kenny, but Kenny or Jean, they become UCP leader this weekend. Then next week, it becomes a fight between uh, Notley and the uh, UCP over this issue. It's interesting, of course. I think the the NDP, I think, would like to have this fight if they can project the UCP as being too extreme. But there's an issue here about um, like how far does the province go to, to, to push this on the Catholic Church? I know that Paul has uh, researched this issue a lot more than I ever have. Um, 
to me, the big question is why are we paying public dollars to the Catholic school board to, to run the schools when they're actually against the public system when it comes to teaching sex. Well, it's a constitutional right that they have there. I I can tell you why, because under the terms of the Northwest Territories Act, which was then folded into the Alberta Act, um, you know, this is sort of a reaction to the Riel Rebellion. At the time, the Catholic community here was largely francophone, and and uh, a huge percentage were Métis. And in the wake of the Real Rebellion, there was a negotiation that said that Catholic school rights in this province would not be infringed. And so ever since before we became a province in 1905, it is hardwired into the founding laws of Alberta that there will be an eternal protection for Catholic education. And when the Constitution was repatriated in 1982, that uh, was written into the Constitution. So there are I've spoken to different legal constitutional experts who have different opinions but there is certainly one opinion that says that if Alberta wanted if Alberta wanted to do this first they would have to have a province-wide referendum that's something that was brought in under Klein that if you're going to change the constitution you have to have a a province-wide referendum you'd need of course the majority consent of the legislature here and then you'd need uh, the permission of the House of Commons and the Senate. Now, some people say you would also need the permission that under the amending formula of a certain number of provinces with a certain amount of population. Other people say, no, that's not the interpretation because this is sort of a an adjunct to the Constitution. You don't need Quebec to sign off on it. Um, but it is it is much more complicated than people think because people just keep saying to me, well, why don't we just get rid of the Catholic school system? Well, and in, it, in other it, provinces, of Quebec has got rid of it. They did not have the same kind of legislation that we had. And I know that sounds weird because Quebec... No, it's the same as in Saskatchewan. Yeah. It's exactly the same yeah. setup. Alberta and Saskatchewan, who were the Northwest Territories before, entered Confederation, and this was a guarantee that was given to the Francophone, largely Métis population at the time uh, to prevent you know, escalations of the tensions that led to the real rebellion. So, I mean, there's fascinating history here, but in the meantime, it is 2017. Uh, Most of the kids who are in the Catholic school system now are neither Francophone uh, nor Métis. Uh, This is a vestigial uh, thing. And there are questions because if you actually look at the Alberta Act, what it says is they're entitled to run their own school systems and they're entitled to have a certain period of religious instruction uh, set aside every day. It doesn't say you get to have your own curriculum where Catholicism permeates everything that you do, but that has been the way it's been interpreted for the last 50 years. Janet, I want to talk to you about politically where this has gone. You said this has gone off the rails a little bit. Uh Yes. But Which, oh, no, for, first, I, first, I just want to mention that there actually is a petition that showed up a couple of maybe a day after my story came out. There's a, there's a group called Our Idea who is um, headed by former PC education minister from the 80s, David King. And so oh, he, yes. he has been pushing for a petition to uh, call for a referendum in Alberta on this exact question, the Catholic education question. Huh. And, and supporters are all excited because there's been a hundred or a thousand signatures in the first 48 hours. But, you know, there's That's a lot of there's a lot of online many. petitions. So, so where is this gone? So where is this gone? OK, so, yeah. So you said it's gone off the rails. What do you uh, mean a, a little. So I think people are misunderstanding the, the document that the that the Catholic superintendent sent to the province after they were rejected for their grant funding mm. is not a curriculum. And that's what some people are referring to, you know, both in government and 
the in the op- opposition. Um, they're calling it, oh, well, this proposed curriculum. We haven't seen the proposed curriculum. We haven't seen the Catholics proposed curriculum. We haven't seen the public proposed curriculum. But what's really important about this is this document that they're, they're sending is not intending to influence just what they teach Catholic students. They are trying to influence the outcomes for all students, public schools, private schools, charter schools, Catholic schools. They're saying we want the Alberta education outcomes for all kids to be vague so we have the flexibility to teach what we want so it could affect more than this is where i think jason kenny missed the mark to quote the document he's talking about catholics having the right to teach catholic students what they want but this document is asking the province to teach all students in a way that would align with their preferences Mm. And, and and this is this is very problematic because as janice said this is not a curriculum this is a list of things we will not teach you know absolutely these are the deal breakers. You know, we are not going to teach kids that masturbation is okay. We are not going to teach kids that you should wear a condom to prevent diseases, much the less pregnancies. And I don't know what the answer to this is because a referendum on a minority right is a terrible idea. Australia, I mean, gay marriage vote. <coughs> right. <Sorry. laughs> I mean, one, one ought not to put the rights of minorities up to a vote by the majority because that is not a way that you protect minority rights unless I mean, you're australia yeah well <laughs> that is that is the uh, the example of what one ought not to do uh <laughs> and and yet um you know i've heard in the last couple of days since since janet broke this story and since i wrote a column as a follow-up to her excellent reporting i've heard from catholic parents who say this is not the kind of catholic education i want for my children so i think this is a moment of reckoning for Catholic school boards, and I think there are going to be challenges too because different school boards in different parts of the province have very different attitudes. I mean, some are much more liberal on on the scale of Catholic liberality um, than others. You know, I was speaking to a friend who's a Catholic school teacher yesterday, and she said Catholicism is about the word Catholic means universal. It means open. She said, this is not the kind of Catholicism that I want to be teaching in in my school where she teaches high school and has and has um, same-sex inclined students. Again, this is leaking, of course, into the provincial area. You've got David Agin and the premier saying there's no way they would ever agree to the Catholic right. schools having this. So they're headed for a showdown. Well, they and haven't even got- seen it yet, though. They I haven't know. seen their proposal yet. Um, Don't let that stop you making a political grandstanding. Good point, good <laughs> what are you talking about? But you've you've <laughs> got uh, Notley saying, based on what you've seen so far, no way. And you've got Kenny saying, I will stand behind them. And so is Brian Jean behind the Catholic uh, school system. So we're headed to a potentially big political fight this fall. Oh, what a thing to look forward to. What a time to be alive. What a time to, to be alive. <laughs> Stuart Thompson, colleague. we miss you. Uh, Janet, if you want to go back and keep working in the newsroom, we've got keep Claire Clancy. Keep making trouble for yeah, people. Keep, making keep causing trouble, trouble Janet. Um, we've got Claire Clancy, my colleague down yeah, at the ledge Claire, here to take, take it from here, Claire. To step on in. Okay, so another thing we're going to be talking about um, is voting. We're moving away from the Vatican now. Uh, the couple of different votes are happening. As I mentioned earlier, the United Conservative Party leadership vote is happening as we speak. There's been a development, though, this morning. Um, oh, yes. Brian Jean and Doug Schweitzer have both said we need to pause voting. We need to suspend it because there are security concerns about how the pins are working. Uh, Jason Kenney has not said that. In fact, he said, I haven't seen any problems. I've heard nothing of the sort. What are you talking about? So more, more than likely, though, we're supposed to hear the results 5.30 p.m. Saturday in Calgary. There will be a UCP. Um, are we calling that a party? A UCP do? Rally. Rally. Gathering. Mm-hmm. Hijinks. After 
the hijinks come after the, the canapes the and the dancing comes afterwards. Uh, Graham and I are going to be going down there. So, mm-hmm. um, Graham, yes, how do you think this whole thing? Well, it's interesting that the um, you can call them the also rans. Uh, this Brian Jean and Schweitzer are the ones who are complaining about. The, Ooh, the pin we, problem. We're already calling Brian Jean an ulceran. That's ouch. Um, yeah, at this point, I was. I think it's going to be Kenny, just based on the fact he's very uh, confident. Uh, we'll see what happens with this today. Uh, the vote goes ahead, and the plan is to have the vote tomorrow. Um, Kenny's people are, are confident of a first ballot victory. Um, in fact, Kenny's telling people at the rallies he's having... Uh, just pick me as your first choice. And this is a preferential ballot. Yeah. Oh, I see. So he's telling them, don't mark a second or exactly. a third. Exactly. So yeah. you know, right now, as people are voting, they can vote for their first, second, and third choice. The idea there is that if nobody on the first count wins an absolute majority, 50% plus one, then the third place person is dropped off. And then the second choice on the third place ballots are then given to the first and second place. And then we'll see who actually then wins 50% right. plus And since Doug one. Schweitzer is everybody's second place. Yes, but I think Gene is hoping if, he, if no one wins a majority, he's a close second place. And then Schweitzer's votes go to him and he becomes a leader. That's what he's hoping for. Whereas Kenny is telling people, vote for me, number one, and leave it at that. Because Kenny's his campaign is pretty sure they're going to get it on the first ballot. This problem today about the uh, PIN number, uh, we'll see how that turns out. But you get the impression from the, the officials have no real big concern. Jason Kenney has no real big concern. It's just the other guys uh, have a, a problem. And, and Brian Jean's been complaining about things almost daily for the last few weeks. And that's, again, not a, a sign of... Um, of confidence on his part. And let's not forget there was a pin kerfuffle around the unity vote completely and altogether itself. Like people saying that wasn't working, they weren't getting them, they got two pins, they got one pin, they didn't get any pin, the pin wasn't working and that caused a real problem on the Wild Rose side. It seemed to get kind of um, ironed out in the end and now we have unity. Claire, you went to um, an interesting event on Tuesday. Yeah, I started the day at a uh, Brian Jean event in the morning outside Rachel Notley's constituency office in Edmonton Strathcona. And then I ended the day at uh, Jason Kenney Town Hall, the first one I've ever been to, I might add. And on a side note, he was actually saying at the town hall that um, uh, one of his supporters asked a question about how difficult it is to vote and uh, concerns about voting. And um, Jason Kenney went, went on a little bit of a tangent talking about how Brian Jean had made the rules too difficult for people. So that's a side note there. Oh, that's interesting. Um, I was actually disappointed that Rachel Notley wasn't at her office at the time and didn't kind of wander out halfway through the press conference and just With kind like of... like Halloween candies for the kids? Yeah. And... I think that would have been good or just sat there eating popcorn. Yeah, it was you know? a very, uh, fairly quiet event. There were a few people there and basically Brian Jean came up to the podium with a sign that said, we can win here um, and called it called Edmonton Strathcona the heart of darkness for Alberta conservatives and said that it was possible for the UCP to win it if people his you know suggestion was that if people voted him in as leader because um, because he's more popular in polls among the general electorate so so he equated Strathcona with basically Mordor well or no, no, the heart of heart darkness Joseph Conrad Conrad darkest Africa the horror the horror yes yeah. um, so not Mordor Apocalypse Now is a movie based on that yeah great movie I've never actually seen it fantastic. I know, I know. I've, I've, I've missed a lot of classics mm-hmm. um, in my time, which I'm sure listeners are super interested to hear. <laughs> <laughs> but this is Brian Gino trying to play to his strength that 
the public opinion poll show Brian Jean is more is more popular than than, yeah. uh, than Jason Kenney or um, Rachel Notley. So he's saying it's logical to make him the UCP leader because he's a better chance of winning the next election because he's more popular than Jason Kenney. Well, the election's not a year and a half away, but this is a race for UCP members. Yeah. 62,000 registered members who can vote. And Although the not so many seem to, like, uh, uh, what, there are like 100 and some? There was, there was 106 yeah. members, 62,000 actually got registered. 106,000. Not 106. 106,000. 106,000, 62,000 actually were registered. So, so basically 40% are participating. Yeah, who, yeah. Who, uh, who didn't maybe – it's, it's a very difficult process because, to actually get but they might yeah. be, registered. Or there might be legacy PCs who are were folded into the membership lists yeah, and, and aren't interested in the UCP. So that's interesting. But the actual number is 62,000. And so Kenny – so you get Brian Jean doing a news conference to talk to the public, and it doesn't really help because yeah. Kenny is really focused on the members, and he's he's done all the research in terms of who's bought memberships, where are they, who our supporters are, the numbers, and this, which is why they feel very confident they can actually win on the first ballot. Um, so it's 62,000 is the number they're all going after. If we actually get that many voting, we'll see. Uh, it depends on the PIN numbers, of course. Mm. So, so it's a Brian Jean has one tactic – and that is, I'm more popular, therefore vote for me. Yeah. But he's talking he's to courting the, the public, public, isn't he? Yeah, and then uh, Penny the is courting the supporters. Yes, and the thing is, and you win by courting the supporters, by going after the, the very small band of people who actually can vote. Mm-hmm. And Kenny did this. He's been very effective at this. He won the PC leadership, and then he helped uh, shepherd in the uh, unity vote. And now he's doing the very same sort of campaign to win the UCP leadership. It's all about that base, about that base. <laughs> no treble. <laughs> well, but then after this happens, if Kenny does indeed win on Saturday, then you've got the election coming up in 2019. He's going to have to work to unalienate people who he's kind of been appealing to that base. A lot of like the hardcore Christian right, for mm-hmm. example, are really behind Kenny and a lot of that language he's using. So he's going to have to... Pivot. It's where to use pivot. I talked pivot. to him on Thursday. About that base. About that base. <laughs> no trouble. And they're going to pivot, he said, away from the focused on the um, the membership of the UCP and then go after the, the general population. Another thing that happened, though... Um, oh, yeah, endorsements. the endorsements. The, the Wednesday. Sorry, Wednesday was the endorsement, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Wednesday. Wednesday. So... Brian Jean has this announcement coming, special endorsement on Wednesday. At 2.30 2 p.m. 2.30, <clears throat> excuse me, in Calgary. Who is it? I'm not telling you. It's a well-known, it's an important endorsement. And as, as he's making the endorsement, it's, it's actually Theo Fleury, the former uh, NHL player. Um, so when he's doing the endorsement, at the same time, Kenny releases a news uh, release talking about getting the endorsement of 23 of the federal members of parliament from Alberta. Yeah. So he did that deliberately. He did it 14 to, minutes before Brian Jean's press conference started. So you got one endorsement for Brian Jean from a former NHL hockey player who's well known for other things, of course, being an advocate for the underdog, an advocate for addicts and um, sexual assault victims. Um, but then you have that, and then you contrasted with uh, but this big announcement from Jason Kenney of 23, of the um, Alberta MPs supporting him. Which you kind of get the feeling that he probably saw there was a press release, something coming at 2.30, and just called them all and said, oi, 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 and then just kind of whoop, 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 whoop. Yeah, you know. The, the, that was me writing a press release and sending it out. Yeah, the, whoop, 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 whoop. the 23, I mean, that's basically all the conservative MLAs. There's, there's 20, 29, there's 29, 29 total. Yeah, so it's almost all of them. 
Yeah. But, uh, you know, Ronna Ambrose, who is no longer a conservative MP, it, you know, put a picture of herself and Jason Kenney and she said, I've just gone to vote for my dear, my dear friend, my good friend, Jason Kenney. I mean, what, what is our what is our catchphrase? Poor Brian Jean. Poor Brian Jean. I mean, he sat in caucus with all of these people and it's got to be the unkindest cut. But of course, Kenny was a cabinet minister. He had juice in that caucus in a way that Brian Jean as a backbencher never did. Mm, no, that's totally true. Um, so we'll guess we'll see the announcement in Calgary. And we'll see what their relationship is like after the vote. <laughs> the United yeah. Conservative Party. We'll see how long that name has any kind oh, of connection to reality. They, they have s- to come back together. If though. they see themselves winning uh, the next election, they'll come together. You think back to a real fight. Go back to um, 1992 when you had um, Ralph Klein and Nancy Bitkowski. Yeah. Really nasty fight. Um, Klein won, of course. Now, Nancy Bitkowski herself said, screw it, I'm out of here. But the rest of the team behind Bitkowski, Rick Orman, Jim Dinning, and others, um, they all went um, to work for, for, um, for Klein. They all did. So the party came together under Klein, and they, they decided it's better to work together for the next election than to keep on fighting. Yeah, and I, and I, Brian Jean's so I, popular that if, you're, if Jason Kenney does win, he can't just go and alienate Brian Jean because, as Brian oh, Jean has I, pointed I, out, he but he does have more popularity. I, I, I think that ship be sailed. I mean, I, I think... <laughs> I, think I, I don't know, Graham. I mean, I... Uh, I, like you, was a child covering the 1992. Uh, <laughs> 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 I was very, very young. Very, very young. Um, <laughs> just just a, little, a wee baby journalist. Uh, but but it, was, it was different. I mean, this, this is a bringing together of more disparate elements, not just the Kenny Gene thing, but all of the Red Tories, all of the old line PCs, who have, I think, already checked out of the party and are more likely to do so uh, with an empowered Jason Kenney at the helm. I, maybe it doesn't make any difference for the next provincial election because enough people will will stick with Kenny, but there isn't the kind of brand loyalty. I mean, there is no brand loyalty. It's, an, it's a made-up imaginary oh, no, coalition. This is, no, this is the, the party that Jason Kenney built. Um, yeah, this is not um, you know, the Red Tories come together with the Wild Rose. This is the party that Jason Kenney built. A lot of federal conservatives, as you saw yesterday with or Wednesday, with that endorsement. Um, I still think that Brian Gino will be on board to actually work together. Now, that Doug Schweitzer, he is representing the um, the Red Tories. I think that uh, there'll be a lot of pressure on him to, to, to hang in there with, um, with Jason Kenney. Now, Jason Kenney, you go back to what happened in the leadership race um, – Donna Candy Glanz, who dropped out of the race, and then she actually worked with Kenny on on the transition after he became leader of the PCs. So he does have skills to try and bring people together. Now, we'll see. And I talked to him on Tuesday, and he was talking about pivoting. You know, he understands he has to pivot and become more mainstream after Saturday. Of course, is he going to win? I think he will, but of course, you never know. Um, I haven't done my own polls to find out what's actually happening inside (laughs) the UCP. Well, Graham Thompson calling. I'd like to know who has who uh, you're going to vote for. I would well, like that might be, that might be as as statistically valid as the last Main Street poll. But and now just very 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 briefly, I want to talk oh so quickly about um, a flying visit we had from the Prime Minister last weekend ahead of voting in the Sturgeon River Parkland by-election, was a, which was, of course, Rona Ambrose's former seat just outside of Edmonton, just to the west of us. But he couldn't have thought that that, I mean, 
I mean, no. I mean, I mean, I don't know that Trudeau's visit could have ever helped. I mean, Dane Lloyd won that seat with, what is it, 70, 77.5 or something. Um, you know, which is even better than Don Iveson did in the municipal election. <laughs> it's a very low turnout, though, like 20%. Yeah, yeah, well, it's a by-election. And, and yeah. it's a snoozy safe seat. Yeah. And, and it's a week after a municipal election. Oh, yeah. No, but, yeah, you're right. So, so still, I mean, he won. Oh, he did win. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he's a and he's a Jason Kenney guy, a former mm-hmm. Jason he Kenney is. staffer. In fact, his name was on the uh, endorsement sent out, so there you have it. Mm-hmm. Now, Trudeau um, did come to Edmonton last weekend. He came here on Friday night and started his jaunt out here at the campaign office of Brian Gold, who was, of course, running with Sturgeon River Parkland for the Liberals. It, but that wasn't the reason he was here. Oh, that would be a silly reason for him to try and <laughs> come to Surgeon River Parkland. What he did do, though, he um, had some meetings at the Mennonite Centre for Newcomers. He also spoke with the police specifically. He wanted to talk to the police officer who was involved in the Edmonton attack. Yes, and I mean, I think, you know, I saw people complaining, well, why didn't he come and do that earlier? Um, you know, and then if he'd come and done that earlier, they would have said, and why is he trying to politic based on, you know? But uh, it was interesting because... Uh, it, there was a fair bit of buzz about the visit, and he went to places where uh, he got happy greetings from, from the people at the Mennonite Center in particular. Um, it, you know, meantime, it was interesting to me that he was here and not in Quebec, where the Liberals had a huge pickup, mm. winning a winning a by-election in a seat that had been either uh, BQ or Conservative for you know for eons. So. I guess he felt confident enough about that Quebec by-election that he could uh, come here and do a little flesh, come here and do a little flesh pressing. Well, he doesn't get here that often, and it was interesting because it was. So yeah, I it think was, it's the first time he's been back since the Fort McMurray wildfires. Well, yeah, and it was, and it kind of uh, came out of. Is it? Yeah, he's in the Stampede. Remember, yeah, well, that's not, that's, that's not that's not here. here, Edmonton. Oh. Well, I but mean Alberta, one big happy no, province. No, 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 no. no. United for, here. First time he's been to Edmonton, I think, since the Fort McMurray wildfires. And it was interesting too. I've covered a lot of prime minister visits around, around the place. Weirdly, so he had his um, little evening meeting. When I say little, actually, Brian Gold's office, from everything I saw online, was absolutely jam packed because I guess if you're a liberal, you really, really like. Justin Trudeau so if he's going to show up and oh my god he's in Alberta he never gets to Alberta so he did that then he went to the Mennonite Newcomers Centre on Saturday morning I actually got to follow him he went to the classrooms um, after a round table which was actually a few rectangular tables pushed together Um, then he went up to the classrooms and talked to some kids who were there for homework club etc one of the clubs was it's called um, Global Girls and they were making uh, packs to hand out to the homeless and he came into the room I kid you not, they screamed as only teenage girls can scream. It's like the Beatles. It was. And I'd never actually seen that. That's so crazy for a politician. Yeah. And then they were asking questions and three of the questions were, can we have a selfie now? Can we have a selfie now? Can we have a selfie now? And so we went, okay, let's have a group photo. And the girls are kind of holding their phones up to do selfies while they're in a group photo and he had to tell them all to put their phones down so they could get a nice group photo. And then they just started grabbing him and physically <laughs> pulling him into selfies and he's kind of in a whole bunch <laughs> a bunch of them. He left and I'm kind of we're kind of following up to, to leave. And then they started looking at their selfies and screaming right in my ear. It was I was never that excited about politics when I was sixteen years old, let me tell you that. I'm not excited about that now. <laughs> 
<laughs> but you see, but that, see that and isn't that fascinating though? I mean, this is a new generation of Alberta voters. Um, you know, if they're fourteen, sixteen now, uh, some of them will be able to vote come the next federal election. Yep. It's interesting. I mean, there is a there is a changing of the guard in this province, uh, which, as as I reported this week, um, it's, the, <laughs> it's, it's the first time that Alberta has ever overtaken British Columbia as a destination for new immigrants. That's what the most recent census data shows. We've pulled level with Quebec. So, you know, that's fascinating. And one of the interesting things too, when I was up in one of the classrooms, um, it was a kid, a kid's homework class and they were probably aged, I want to say between 10 and 12, I would say, and they were asking questions. So the first one was, why didn't you mention Alberta in the Canada Day speech? <laughs> the second question was, why are you here? And Justin Trudeau started saying, oh, well, I'm the prime minister and blah, blah, blah. And the kid interrupted him and said, no, no, no. I mean, why are you in this building right now? Wow. And I was like, sassy kid. I was actually going to ask him the same question in the future, press conference later. That, that's future, <laughs> and what was the answer? Future journalists of Canada. Yeah, yeah the, the answer was basically a lot of important work is being done here at the Mennonite Centre and I wanted to recognise it. And I got a, interesting comments on Twitter of people saying they must have heard their parents talking about it or that kind of thing. But what these people failed to realise is these are the newcomers to Canada. These are very new immigrants their parents are and I guess these kids are too so I'm not sure that that's where these kids were getting it and I I thought it was a really um it was really fun they asked hard questions those kids so good on you kids um all right let's move to our regular segment good stuff from the gallery in which we recommend things we've read listened to or watched lately that we think you might like dear listeners Claire what do you have for us this week? Sure. I am going to recommend a feature story from Esquire that is truly fascinating and um, depressing called The Secret of Family Making Billions from the Opioid Crisis. And it's about the company behind OxyContin and um, how the family is really secretive, uh, distanced themselves from it, but the impact that it's having on North America and very pertinent to the crisis in Alberta, obviously. Yeah, for sure. Paula, what do you have for us? Well, I, I know that it's, it's something probably most people who are political junkies have already read, but if you haven't read it, I'm going to recommend the text of Jeff Flake's uh, speech. He's the uh, Republican senator from Arizona who uh, basically in this almost Roman gesture you know, threw himself on his virtual sword uh, in uh, the Senate and just made this blistering speech denouncing Donald Trump and the tenor of the times. Uh, you can read it. You can watch it. Uh, you can... Uh, reflect on the fact that uh, it's not going to make any difference because Flake is not running. Uh, the polls show him way behind in you know, a potential Republican primary with a much more hardline candidate. But it's a nice piece of political rhetoric and you should you know look upon it in despair. I am going to recommend I'm going to find specific links, but yesterday in Australia, the High Court made a ruling and our Deputy Prime Minister has been ruled ineligible to be the Deputy Prime Minister. In fact, to be a politician at all because, because he has dual citizenship with New Zealand. It didn't affect him. It also affected a ton of others. I think four others as well have been found ineligible, including another cabinet minister. It means Australia's federal government has lost its majority. Um, it means that there could be another leadership spill, which is basically when we have coups all the time in Australia. It's lots of fun. Um, and Barnaby Joyce is his name. He's already going to be running in a by-election, but until that point... He has he's renounced his New Zealand citizenship now, but yeah, the High Court made this ruling about it, and it was an absolute just tumble down of 
Oh, and now there's questions about whether any of these laws, because he sat on the cabinet, in cabinet, while the High Court was making its decision. And then it turns out he was never eligible to be a politician anyway. So there are questions being raised about legally whether any of the stuff he voted on, because they passed by one vote margins, could be ruled ineligible as law wow, because he mess. was never. <laughs> but, but what, and what a strange, I mean, there's nothing in Canadian law that forbids no. you from having dual citizenship. It's it's in the Australian constitution. But, and, um, and isn't, aren't there one or two of them who have evil Canadian? Yeah, roots? one of them. Yep. Evil Canadian roots. And these are people who, um, in Barnaby Joyce's case, his dad was born in New Zealand, moved to Australia. His father moved to Australia as a kid. Barnaby Joyce was born in, like, Tamworth, country New South Wales. He didn't know that he had automatic citizenship through his father who'd lived in Australia for like 80 years. Is this like some kind of evil plot by the people in New Zealand? They have like sleep, sleeper cells <laughs> to bring to, 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 keep, uh, to, to keep Australia in a, set, in a state of tumult. <laughs> oh, they don't need any Australians over there. They're far too great a nation. They don't need us. Uh, Graham, so anyway, I'll find some links. I'm going to find a couple of explainer pieces. Um, at the moment, though, everything is just so in tumult down there that they just don't know what's happening. Graham? Yeah, we didn't actually it? mention that uh, Monday the uh, sitting starts, the, the session oh, gets yeah. underway. That old chestnut. Yeah, so there'll be a news conference happening. this afternoon with uh, Brian, uh, Brian Mason. Mason explaining what they plan on doing. But no, um, my, I think it's pretty straightforward, um, a piece done by James Wood just spelling out um, who's actually running this weekend. I know that we get really in, into great depth. We assume people know everything about Brian Jean, Jason Kenney, and Doug Schweitzer. But... Um, uh, James Wood, our colleague at the Herald, put together this nice little package explaining who they are, what they're all about, and their background. And you didn't is, like my little package that was like that too, Graham? I didn't know you did one. Oh, my God. Oh, no. This is awkward. It's fine. Whatever. <laughs> so you, you can read them both <laughs> and determine which one is better. I'm sorry, Emma. I did. I was reading James's. No, it's fine. I didn't no, know. his was really good. I this apologize. was shorter. Mine was ridiculously This is really, long. really awkward Mine now. was like 1,800 words. <laughs> well, rather I'm rather sure. like this podcast, so we should, <laughs> we should say goodbye now. Yeah. Let's wrap this up. Thank you, uh, Claire, Paula, <laughs> Graham, <laughs> photographer Sean Butts, who is here to film some of it, and, of course, Janet French, who was here earlier and is now off... Um, Making more trouble. trouble in the newsroom somewhere. Uh, you can find this episode at edmontonjournal.com. You can also find us wherever you find your podcasts, including iTunes, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Google Play. Do subscribe so you get the latest episode come straight to your device. We'll be back again this time next week on The Press Gallery.